change from the idea of alias. This could be one alias, but this could be another. The whole strict is being reused again and again and again. So what differentiates all animals is this 98% that they call the gray matter. And of course, the gray matter or the dark matter or the grayness of the stuff we can't figure out. These are what they call on Do you remember that? Yeah. On off switches are developmental switches. These are basically the temperature and timing for baking in embryo. Right. So these on-off switches will say, okay, this gene is going to go on for such and such an amount of time, and then I'll switch it off. So it's not even that this is an allele, but even how long it runs is differentiated by these on-off switches. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Can they monitor it? timing, too. It's not just genes as traits. It's genes as timing. Most of the genetics that we have does not show up phenotypically in our bodies. Most of our genetic information is on off switches. The only information that shows up on our bodies is the 2% that codes for genes. So when the researchers move, most of us we don't see. When they, the researchers really get time here yeah, on and off. Pardon? The researchers, what they mean is that on and off means time. Yes. So when I say timing, that means development. These switches signify at what time or what point something further develops or stops developing. So, for instance, when the human embryo they see gills, right? And so they're like, okay, we come from fish and all that. But then our gill switch turn into ear bones. That's because there's a switch that's been turned off later. What they're saying is we all have the same switches. Remember when we were talking about cancer? And they found a chance of breast cancer genes. After a while, they're going to tell all of us that we all have cancer genes. These aren't cancer genes. These are on-off switches. And these on-off switches are put on and off through the environment. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am? So every, so every living thing is going to have the same? The same 2%. Okay. Because these are all proteins. These are all protein Where the brain is small. 
that they develop mental problems, right? And these, they say, are genetic diseases. And what you'll find in the movie is that there's this um, doctor, and he's working on muscular dystrophy, and he tells him the story, and the story is that his older brother and his younger brother had muscular dystrophy. And what that means is that um, for muscles to grow, they tear, right? And when they tear, for, for people who have muscular dystrophy, it doesn't repair itself. So you never heal from your muscle tearing, right? And so in that way, they wither away, they go whatever the case. And so um, he starts looking into muscular dystrophy. And so when the genome project hits, he wants to identify the gene for muscular dystrophy, right? Right. Well, right. he identifies the gene, but he sees that he has it too. Okay, well, you know, my brothers have it. So he has everybody in his lab take the same genetic test. And they all have the same gene for muscular dystrophy. It's just about whether it's turned on or not. Right? right? And so, then it became an evolutionary question. Why does, and what they mean by having a defect is that, you know how you have this double helix with the C and the T and the G and the A, whatever, I think that was a combination of that right now. I don't even think they're going to say things, right? So, they're just saying that there are like um, two nucleotides that are missing in every human genome, right? And he ties this to evolution. What is he going to think that actually is what differentiates human genomes from chimpanzees? Because they have it and we don't. They have the complete set and we don't have the complete set. So then what he starts talking about is that in our embryonic state, um, chimpanzees have much heavier jaws and much heavier jaw muscles, right? So when you have much heavier jaw muscles that are attached to the skull, we'll get into this much more in depth in the next unit. But if you have a lot of muscle attached to the skull, it constrains the skull and it cannot grow, so the skull cannot expand. In the human embryo, a lot of these muscles were cut off. So when we were born, we were actually born with a lot less, less musculature around the jaw, allowing the cranium to expand so we could develop a bigger brain. Mm. So our bigger brain didn't come from naturally selecting for intelligence. It came from naturally selecting for lesser jaw muscles. It came from the technology of cooking. Later on for us. Did you say cooking? Cooking. Because we became humans before we became smart humans. And so once we started domesticating fire, this is like eight weeks into the class later, right? Once we domesticated fire, uh, we could eat vegetation from all around the world, things that were not edible, not even softened, and even made digestive. And in that sense, because we were able to use fire and other types of technology, we didn't need to use all these jaw muscles to ground down seeds like finches and stuff like that. So as our jaw muscles loosened up, as we got less of them and less neck muscles for that, our brain was able to expand, kind of explode, and get bigger. So the brain got bigger completely by accident, not because it was selecting for intelligence but less jaw muscles. So, the brain, in terms of evolution in causality, what he was saying was the evolution of the brain has to do with the deletion of muscles in the jaw. So human evolution isn't a further sophistication or the creation of newer traits, it's a deletion of material in our genetics over time. We have less genetic material, they're saying, than our ancestors. So what does that mean in terms of how we feel about humans being the apex of creation? Not, we're not actually, because it's not really dependent. Every curve, I don't Depends know, a thousand years. That's true too. Now what's interesting, and I want to see if you guys catch this in the movie, 
right? When, when the scientists are speaking, they're talking about there's something about being human that's supernatural, that's cool, and that's what they're about finding out. That's what the scientists are saying. But when the narrator's talking in the movie, he's like, oh, all of this is random and none of it means anything. And then you get to the next scientist they're interviewing, and they're like, yes, there's something about being human that's very special. Then you get back to the narrator, it's like, yes, everything is random. Scientists don't believe that things are random. We're taught in school to believe in science. Scientists don't believe in science. They create it. You yeah. see what I mean? Yes. Scientists have very strong religious beliefs. If, if you actually see scientists who are working up there and whatever they do, they have very strong beliefs in order and godliness and all that stuff. It's, we're taught in school that scientists do not believe in God. Do you think that but most part, of our scientists are ethnic, right? Do you think you're part of you as a scientist? I think by all of us. Yeah. Scientists are kind of violent. I don't know. <laughs> Experiments. We can't isolate variables really in life. That's correct. Right? We all want to have control. We all want to know how things work. And that's just all scientists. We have control issues. You know? Before you move on, who was you talking about? You were talking about a scientist when I left off the room. He was talking about somebody. I forgot. Well, you'll, you'll find Who out. Who was it, yeah? Well, this doctor, was, this, this, this was a medical doctor. He was, he was a research into most human history. And he found that they all had this gene. And then he found that there's actually an evolutionary thing. But for, for his brother, it didn't turn off in time in the embryonic stage. So it developed into a phenotypic disease. You see what I mean? If we didn't have it, it wouldn't make us human. We wouldn't be human without this defect. But it turned off, it doesn't turn off on his brother, but it turns off for the rest of us. You see what I'm saying? Encephalization. This is about um, child, childhood kind of disease research, and I forget the doctors and stuff, but they don't see it in the movie. But they talk about kids who are born with a brain that um, grows until the age of three or four years of age, and then it stops growing, which is similar to chimps. Their brains fuse at the age of three or four, right? Human brains grow until we're about 30. Right. We're weird. Right? Our, brain, uh, we're Our brains go until we're about 30. But chimps, their brains two to three or four. And oddly enough, until about the age of three or four, chimps and humans are intellectually at the same level. And we can talk more about that stuff too, because you know, chimps and gorillas do know how to use meditation and things like that. You know? But their brains two at a certain time. So what they found out with the genome project is that there's one gene for the skull and there's one gene for the brain. The brain grows on its own rate, and the skull grows on its own rate. So later on, when we look at a reptile brain, it's smooth. But when you see a mammalian brain, it's noodle, right? And a human brain is even more noodle to increase surface area, right, for dendrites to connect and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's because the brain overgrows within our skull. That's why we that once again. There's one gene for the growth of the skull. There's a separate gene for the growth of the brain. Yeah, I'll give you that. Mm. And our brain gene switches off later than our skull gene. Our brain continues to grow mm. as we're children. That's a big old piece of, what is it? Is it a noodle or organ? Continues to grow into our 30s. Pardon? It's a piece of noodle. I mean, it's the organ. The brain is an organ. Well, it's definitely an organ. It's definitely protein, but it's, I don't think it's a muscle organ. Nobody's answer that. This is one of the grossest parts of our body. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get over that Hannibal Lecter. We said our brain doesn't have feelings or something like that. Yes. If you cut, I mean, if I was doing something. Well, that brain is really good too. U
Huh? Yeah, something to try it. Child Bernie Oh, I'm talking to the wrong person. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, in the old days where everybody ate the whole animal because you had to go out and hunt it yourself and you couldn't pick it up as soldiers, you know, um, the brains actually symbolize leadership. The person that ate the brains is the most important person. Hindu, they don't eat cow. They have it in chimpanzees as well. They'll go out and um, they'll tear apart a monkey. Mm -hmm. And whoever gets the brains is the leader. Wow. In fact, that's how football is kind of invented, or soccer. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that when we get into the gym. Okay, so the first part is all biological information. I have it for you if you're interested in your nerd like me, but I'm not going to go over the biological information that will not be on your test. Where the mindset actually begins, starts with number three in the I just gave you my conclusion of you know, a nerd asked me a question. So, and I love nerds. Number three, what is genetic mutation? It's quite simple, right? It's whenever there becomes a different sequencing in your genome. So, for 90% of what we're going to talk about next. Oh, did I, did I finish this on what happens here is that what they found out is that the child is not the one with the genetic defect. We are the ones with the genetic defect. Because his, his room switched off at the right time. Ours didn't. You see the difference here? Yeah, yes. because the genome sequencing, again, is complete. We're missing a couple, right? So by missing a couple, our on-off switch goes haywire. Our on-off switch doesn't cut off until we're 30. So whereas we were looking at them having a small brain as being a genetic defect, in reality of the genome, his genome is complete. That's why it switches off at the right time. Our genome is defective in the scientific way of speaking of things. It's missing a couple of links. So ours shuts off 30 years later. Question. Yes. They always say that we never use our entire brain. How can one do? Well, we have to read every book in the universe, learn everything for it to fulfill all the knowledge. I don't, I don't know if we don't use our entire brain or if we don't know how we use our entire brain. Is that the question? I think no. we don't know how we use our entire brain. People always say we only use a third of our brain. I'm not Last teacher said that or whatever, so... But remember, before, when they used to talk about genetics, they used to talk about it in terms of chromosomes, right? Have you even heard the word chromosome once in this movie? No. People don't talk about chromosomes anymore. The whole idea of what genetics is has changed, right? It's all on these on-off switches. We all share this 2%. We're spiders to humans, the anaerobic bacteria, we all share the same 2%. We all have the same thing here. So the genetic mutations we're really talking about are mostly happening up here. On top of which, not to make it too crazy, and the movie doesn't talk about this, but just to be fair and antsy, and it won't be on your exam, there's also genetic mutation in your mitochondrial DNA. What is mitochondria? Now, mitochondria <laughs> for animals, for um, plant photosynthesis, okay. for respiration. Photosynthesis is obviously energy. For us, breathing. It's through ATP. ATP to the mitochondria. Did I talk to you about the enslavement of the cell? No, I don't think I'm. 
Well, before, there were unicellular organisms, but there wasn't a true nucleus. When we talk about, uh, now I'm talking about eukaryotes, right? Do you remember this part? Yeah. Eukaryotes, you meaning true, true nucleus. That was going to be our model in the Microbiology, biology. And the word eukaryotes was based on uh, yep. think about it. Eukaryotes. Oh, yes. That, that was a big evolution. Because this whole thing is called, if anybody wants to look it up and do a presentation, enslavement of the cell. So we're talking about how multi, what, how unicellular animals became multicellular organisms. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I'm one person, but all my cells are specialized to do different things. You can conceptualize me as being all these different cells or one person, right? So when you look at fungi, or when you look at spores, they're still unicellular animals, but they sell multicellular structures like mushrooms. Does that make sense? You said animals. They're animals. Yeah, so see. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 and I get what you're saying. But, so when you look at fungi, or when you look at coral, or things like that, they're unicellular animals that are living together, but it's not like they have divisions of organs, right? Yes. So a mushroom is, is several things at once. So when we talk about multicellular animals, first you have to have a true nucleus. Now, in the nucleus, you have DNA. Mm -hmm. Now, here you have ribosomes, you have Golgi apparatus, you have all these structures. What are they made of? Protein. RNA. Is that making sense? DNA is called deoxyribonucleic acid, meaning lacking oxygen. RNA is just ribonucleic acid, meaning oxygen is in it. Remember, the whole cell needs oxygen to respirate. But the nucleus is no oxygen. Right? And that's how it's separated. RNA is ribonucleic acid. DNA is deoxyribonucleic acid. Well, the mitochondria was its own cell because it has a single strand of DNA. Right? DNA has its own nucleus. It, can split. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't exist in RNA form, right? So, if they're talking about, if they're talking about mitochondria, DNA, organelle, it was its own animal. And it became part of this larger cell. Right? Now, RNA comes from viruses. This is one thing that the movie hasn't broached yet, but I'm sure they're going to talk about it. All genetic engineering uses viruses and bacteria. What are viruses? They really help us because, I mean, there are, they are non-living organisms. Well, not organisms, but they don't live. They're non-living. They're non-living, and they are RNA and uh, protein. And they enter the cell. And before they enter the DNA, they release an enzyme and make the membrane thing that is DNA and it comes in and it alters the genetic information in there. Now we know how genetic mutations have affected the development of different animals, but we haven't begun to see how viruses have impacted genetic mutations. The only viruses and bacteria we know about are pathological, meaning the viruses and bacteria that make us sick. Most viruses and bacteria don't make us sick. Like when it comes to the bubonic plague, that was one strain of a specific genus of bacteria. The other strains don't harm anybody. That's why some people were able to survive. Because they had other strains within them that built up their immunity. But those strains weren't toxic. See what I'm saying? So, the only stuff we know about is the stuff that makes us sick. But there's all kinds of stuff changing our genetics all the time that we don't know about. 
because it doesn't hurt them. So if there was a, some kind of mutation that gave me yellow orange eyes, that wouldn't hurt me. That would just add to the variety of how I look or how humans look. See what I'm saying? Boring. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. I don't know what to do with. I brought you some paper towels. Oh yeah, where is it? Oh. Oh, that's your awesome. Okay. So for the ninety-eight percent that are non-coding DNA, if you look here, genetic codes and switches. One is homeobacine. But I gotta give it to you. In biology and microbiology, I never knew that DNA had no oxygen. I just learned that today from you. Yeah, but it, I never. If I did, I slept that part. I didn't know that. That's hilarious. And RN had oxygen. Yeah. Nobody tells you stories. They just Coming back here for two seconds, just in terms of numbers, I want you to think about this. They say 98% non-coding, 2% from proteins, right? Now, how many genes do we have? They say about 23,000. Yeah. And it codes for 90,000 proteins. If we have 23,000 genes and only 2% of it is protein, how much is that? So 4,600 maybe, or is it 460? 460. 460. 460. 460. So there are 460 genes that code for 90,000 proteins. We have 23,000 genes. 98% of it is non-coding. Only 2% of it is coding. 2% of 23,000 is 460 genes. Only 460 genes are used, only that little 2% of your strips for 90,000 proteins. Is that making sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that breakdown is kind of weird. Okay. So with that 98% that we're talking about, some of them are homeoboxing. Where did I put them? Okay. Those are Hopkins. Hopkins is segmentation. I'll tell you what this means. The first part of the Hopkins, first the egg is fertilized, it turns into a lovely little zygote, it's in that cute. Well then, after a while, the first thing that's going to develop in your lovely little baby is a mouth and an anus. And then everything develops around that. That's the first segmentation of genes into something that's specialized. Does that make sense? Then you have the limb, remember? The, um, the snakes develop limb buds, but then they disappear. We'll get into that in a second. So Hopkins are the segmentation genes. These are the genes that tell the body, the stem cells, how to specialize into what aspect of the body to make. Right, your eyelashes, nails, all that kind of stuff. That starts with the ass and the mouth, right? As everything else in the mouth. Okay. So after that is uh, regulatory genes. These are genes that, what they will say, genes that influence expression of other genes. This is a baby gene. It's real. Okay. 
So let me break this down. Why do you say it this way? Regulatory genes are genes that influence expression of other genes. Expression of genes is phenotype. Only 2% of our genes are phenotypic. The other 98% regulate their on-off switches. When they develop, how long they develop, when they shut off. Is that making sense? So most of our genome is not phenotypic at all. Okay. Now, exons are genes that are expressed. And I'm saying mouth, nose, mouth. Those are expressed genes. Those are your protein genes. Introns, these are protein genes. This is part of your 2%. Introns are also part of your 2%. These genes are translated, but they're never made into proteins. So, if you remember how DNA is made or proteins are made, first you process an RNA that goes in, right? Replicates, takes the thing out, and the pattern forms, it goes to the goes the apparatus, starts attacking all the prides together, right? And then they form a chain, and then they take it on and develop into an amino acid. The first step where it turns into an amino acid doesn't happen. And this is where people start worrying about GMOs or gen genetically modified organisms or foods. Because what happens is, with different bacteria that they use in plants, instead of pesticides and stuff, they're using their genetics too, right? So their genetics could be used to make more genetics that are not expressed in the protein. One example is the whale that developed teeth in the embryonic state, but then when they grew up, it became half teeth, right? And again, the snake, it had limb buds in the embryonic state. Yep, and but, but then when it developed, it didn't have it, right? That's what it means. That you can still translate genetic material, but not translate it fully into protein. And now that material is doing something in your body somewhere. See what I'm saying? That part hasn't even begun to be really studied. And you can't study it. You have to do like two, three generations of same people eating the same kind of potatoes to see what happens. But that's the problem with genetically modified foods because we're using proteins that produce all kinds of RNA material that we don't know anything about. Because unless it affects our health, we can't test for it. We can only test for phenotypic stuff. Does that make sense? We can only test for things that have plausible symptoms. We can't test for something that doesn't look like it's doing anything. Right? These do not turn, implants do not translate into proteins. The shittiest way of thinking about it is um, you have a miscarriage, but it doesn't come out. Right. I got you on that one. Right? That's a genetic miscarriage. That's never expelled from the body. It doesn't turn into something. It's just carried on and on again and again. But there's no phenotypic. You don't see it. All right? Yeah. So that's what was this mean? Okay. Um, so non-coding genes do not produce. I already went through that. You don't need to think about chromosomes and mitosis. Yeah. Is that what you just said you're talking about? So, if you look at question number four, yes, ma'am. When you say phenotypic, that means you can't do it. 
phenotypic is what you can test positive for. You can test for A type, AB type, that's phenotypic, right? Um, like having cancer is phenotypic. Having the cancer gene is genotypic, but then if you look back far enough, everybody has the cancer gene, you know? In fact, the genes that they say are our defects are the very basis of our humanity in an evolutionary history. It's just the on-off switches don't go off at the right time for everybody. But what they say is defect is actually evolution, right? Otherwise, if, if our genetics is perfect, we'd still be chance, is what they're saying. So it's a deletion of genetics that made us human. Okay. Well, we're going to watch the end of the movie, so that'll, that'll help it out more. So how does modern genetics differ from our ideals of Mendelian genetics? And so each question to answer them, A, B, and C answers the whole question, right? So A is, what's the difference between alleles and genes? Would you be comfortable answering that? They still use the language of alleles as traits. But what's the difference between alleles and genes? Um, genes actually like, make up who you got it. You got it. You got it. Alleles are assigned to specific traits. You can use the same genetic material for all kinds of alleles. Before they used to think it was separate genes for separate alleles. But genes don't go exactly with alleles. You can use the same 2% for the 90,000 proteins that you need. So instead of having an alphabet of 26 letters, they're saying you have an alphabet of 13, right? But you make 90,000 genes out of it. Well, 20, well, 2%, right? So it would be like four out of four letters, making 90,000 genes, as opposed to using all of your genes. So when they were looking at the chromosomes before, they were looking at the chromosomes to see which gene is related to what. They don't even look at chromosomes anymore because all the proteins are only 2%. So, Professor, alias is a specific trait. Alias? Yes. But but how we isolate a trait? A, a gene is like the, the sequencing of nucleic ties for a trait. But you can use it again and again. The old way of looking at it was, I think for all the nucleic acids, this would be one trait, this would be another trait, this would be another trait. But now they're saying that they use it at different times. They can use the same strip again and again. And they turn it off at different times. So timing becomes part of it. When you're speaking of genes, the, the cutting on, the cutting off, what about behavior pattern where the father does something exactly like the children, but I was told through another biology, you pick up from being in the same environment. But if this father was an absentee parent and a child never see him do it, but they do the same exact thing, is that a, how is that? Do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, and I have no idea. That's, that's, a, that's a culture personality question. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people say culture, a lot of people say personality. It's, people used to say nature, nurture, mm -hmm. but instead of nature, nurture nowadays, we talk about in terms of culture or personality. Are kids just born with a certain personality, or are they taught to be a certain way? Like all oh, my kids lie, like their daddy. Is there like a gene that cuts 